Welcome to KJV Cafe, where we explore great truths from God's holy word in a simple, down-to-earth fashion. Romans 10:17 shows us where faith comes from. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's grow our faith together in the cafe today. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. Grab your Bible and a hot cup of coffee or tea and join us now as we explore God's holy word. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the cafe. Great to have you here today. Oh, what a blessing it is to be here with you getting into God's word. I don't take it for granted. I'm so thankful we have God's word today. And you know, as my wife always says, I'm thankful that God gave us another day. That's not promised. So as we have the time, let's let's redeem the time, amen. Let's get right to it. We're here in God's word in a multi-part series looking at the judgment of God. And the text verse here is Luke 1, 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And often you'd hear that verse in reference to something positive, you know, with God, nothing's impossible. So we're going to win the basketball tournament, or let me get an A on that paper, or we're going to get that raise, or we're going to buy that new house. But for with God, nothing shall be impossible also relates to his righteous judgment. It's easy in this world, as I've spoken about here the past few episodes, to be discouraged by what's going on, to see wickedness looking like it's triumphing, and to see the world so much at odds with the word of God. It's easy for uh, people to be upset and, and to desire judgment. But we learned here this week that believers that understand God's plan would not want anyone to face his wrath. Not your worst enemy, I'm telling you. Anyone that hates me, despises me, wants nothing to do with me, I'd love to see him in heaven, amen. I don't want him to go to hell. I've read about hell, amen. I've read about not just hell, but I've read about the day of wrath, amen, the day day of God's wrath that comes through the tribulation period. And I don't want anybody to go through that. I don't want anyone to. And neither does God the Father, amen. That's why he sent Jesus the Son so that we could believe on him as he shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary. And he was risen three days later. And that right there... uh, is the sign that God loves him so much that he is the Christ and he is our Messiah. And when we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we are saved. Amen. First Corinthians 15, one through four spells out the gospel so perfectly. But here we are in the book of John, looking at God's righteous judgment, even though it looks like wickedness is triumphing, nothing is impossible with God, as Luke one thirty seven tells us. And John 8, 24 uh, says here, I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And here the context of this verse, always very important to get context. In John 8, this is when Jesus is dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees. They were looking at Jesus, uh, trying to trap him and some get him to contradict himself. A woman walks up or they bring, excuse me, they bring a woman who was caught in the act of adultery They say, okay, you know, the law says stoner. What do you say, Jesus? Do we stone her? Do we kill her? And of course, Christ responds, he who has uh, no sin casts the first stone. And then their conscience convicts them. They all walk away. He tells the woman she's uh, not condemned, right? And they are perplexed and upset. 
and they're going back and forth with Christ over the law, and he is teaching grace through faith and belief in him, and they have great unbelief. And so we see in John 8 this idea that what overcomes the law? The idea is that Christ fulfills the law. And so we have the law. We have people today that literally, I mean, you, you have people, you knock on the door, you say, do you, you know, tomorrow, do you, if you died today or you died tomorrow, you know where you'd go. They might say, well, I hope I'd go to heaven. I've been a pretty good person. And they're trying to justify their fate through their works. You know, they're, they're denominations that teach this, that good works get you entry into heaven. Uh, look, this is not biblical. Works, uh, the Bible talks about works being uh, as filthy rags, as a dirty gauze pad to God, that works don't save us, amen. Uh, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And Christ fulfilled the law by coming on the uh, coming on the scene and living a perfect sinless life for 33 and a half years, being crucified on the cross, being buried and risen again. And when he's risen again to new life, when we believe on him, we are, the old man is, uh, has passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are risen with Christ, amen, and we are new creatures in Christ. And we are forgiven by what he did, not by what we did. So it shows us the implications here. And we've talked about the first death and the second death. We've talked about Revelation 15, and I saw another sign. In heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up with the wrath of God. We talked about that tribulation period, so scary, uh, so frightful. Verse 7, and one of the four beasts under the seven angels, seven golden uh, vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. Verse 7, that's Revelation 15, and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels, gave unto the seven angels. So we see these vials of the plagues full of the wrath of God, and we understand this to be literally true. Uh, that there will be a wrath of God poured out in the tribulation period. And this is the day of God's wrath. And those that are unbelievers that are living at that time, which would be anybody living at that time, because if you believe, if you're saved, then you're martyred, you're killed for your faith, they will uh, face God's wrath. And so that's one way to face God's wrath. And the other one would be at the white throne judgment. You are going to face God's righteous judgment. And they'll answer for everything they said and everything they did in this life. And if you look at people living today that are living wickedly and you say, how how can they get away with it? Well, think about it. In their mind, they're saying, well, I didn't, you know, I lived wickedly. I sinned yesterday and everything went fine today. So I'll keep sinning or I said something perverse yesterday, and everyone seemed okay with it, so I'll keep going. You see, people are judging things on a worldly, short-term timeline. You know, okay, if I haven't been chastised for this, then I'll just keep living like this. But God is dealing with the scope of eternity, and he will judge all. And that will be a very frightful day for the sinner. Now, the judge we believe here will be Christ. All believers and unbelievers will be judged by Christ. Those that believe will go to the Bema seat, which is the reward, kind of like an Olympic podium where you'll get great rewards for your work for the Lord. Amen. Just rewards. You won't be judged for uh, uh, or punished, I should say. You will only be judged for reward what you did and the working of the Holy Spirit that's not wood, hay, and stubble that doesn't burn up in the fire of Christ's judgment. But the unbelievers, they'll be judged the white throne judgment and they'll face the lake of fire after owning up to their works on earth. 
And we have scripture to back that up in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be re- revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So this is this Lord Jesus is a little different than the earthly ministry. Now he's revealed from heaven with mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on who? On them that know not God. And then here it is, verse 8 of Second Th- uh, Thessalonians. And obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the latter part of verse 8 of Second Thessalonians uh, 1. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? To believe on him, amen? Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So verse 9 tells us uh, from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that the punishment is everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. Verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. And so we see this, Revelation 21.8 talks about it. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which, is burneth, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21.8 spells out what you know many fundamental preachers would share and people will say, well, where's that in the Bible? It's right here, Revelation 21.8. And you know, People may say, well, I'm not abominable and I didn't murder anybody and I'm not a sorcerer. Yeah, but you know what it says here in Revelation 21.8? But the fearful and unbelieving. Friend, if you have unbelief in your heart, if you don't truly believe in Christ, and you don't have to just look within, look look without. Don't just look at what, you, what you're thinking or how you feel. Look at how you live. Because if you believed in him, would you not live for him? Amen. If you made him Lord of your life, would he not be a priority in your life? And so if you've got it on coast, if you're just living day to day and you're pretty, no one can tell the difference between you and anyone else in the world. You know, you're not set apart. You're not doing anything different. Amen. Uh, your Bible just sits, you know, there on the bookshelf or in the back of the car or wherever. Or some people, they leave them in the pew and they say, well, it was here last week. I'll just come. This will save my seat. Look, friend, you need to be in that Bible. You need to be in that Bible day in and day out. You need to match your, your, your so-called belief with actual belief. And I'm not preaching a works-based salvation. If you believed in Christ and you truly did and only God knows, then you're saved. But, but I will say the Bible tells us in the book of James that faith without works is dead. And that, you know, if we say, if we see someone starving and we say, oh, be well and be good, what does that do to the starving person? Doesn't do anything. You'd have to go get them some food, amen? That's the idea. So here we are, after kind of recapping God's righteous judgment, and of course, obviously not the most authoritative in the time that we have, but it gives you an idea where we're at. Here we are to the good part, and this is the light of the world being Christ. Look, if you're hearing this today, and the church has not been raptured out, you still have time, amen? You still have time. You are in the age of grace. And that means the time when you can believe in Christ and be saved. And you're simply justified by your belief. John eight twelve. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus can and will save every lost, willing soul that repents and gets right with him. They believe on him. He'll, he'll do it. Amen. He is the light of the world. 
Psalm 86.5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. And so I want you to think about what it means to call upon Christ. What does that mean? That means that you understand your sin nature. We've got a a five and a six-year-old and then a teenager, amen. So we've got all kinds of kids in our house, but these little kids, we're trying to teach them about the salvation plan, okay? And instead of going through too much, what we've really been focusing on is just the concept of sin, amen? Uh, The concept of sin. Uh, uh, The the fact that uh, Romans 3, we've all fallen short, right? We've all fallen short. We're all sinners, And the reason why we're focusing on that is because if the kids can grasp the concept of sin, then then they'll know they have a need, amen? And it's the same for adults. If we can grasp as adults the fact that we're sinful and we're in need of a Savior, then we're going to start desiring that Savior and we will seek him out and we will desire to be saved, amen? We will have that understanding of our need, which is part of the salvation process. I don't want to add anything to it, but you go down Romans road, it's clear that you have a need that can't be met on your own. And so as long as you think you can do it on your own through works or through anything else, salvation won't, won't, won't happen for you. But the minute you realize your need, and that's why you'll hear some preachers talk about somebody being broken or hitting rock bottom. That's the idea that they realize their need. Once you realize your need, then you can be saved. And God does the saving. We just plant the seeds, amen. But I encourage you to think on that and pray on that. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, look at the Scriptures. Realize that we've all fallen short. We all uh, need a Savior. And Jesus desires all to be saved. And this, it truly is the last days. Things are about to get very scary and fearful. So why not make today the day of salvation? And if you've been saved... Why not make today the day that you renew your heart before God, that you give your heart to God anew and afresh, and that you go out and serve him like you've never served him before until he calls you home? Because that could be today. That could be tomorrow. We just don't know. I thank you for listening. Tune in next time as we wrap up this series on God's righteous judgment. Take care. God bless. And amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of KJV Cafe. Have a question for Pastor Clark? Email him directly at clark at enduringpromise.org or visit kjvcafe.com and click the envelope button on the homepage. Our program is hosted by Pastor Clark Covington and brought to you by Heartland Ministries. We'll close today with Psalm 119, verses 166 through 168. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee.